I want to uh, just speak to you for a little while this morning out of Psalms 40. And I'd like for you to be just uh, very patient with me. Let's look at the first phrase. I waited patiently for the Lord. We wait, but very few of us wait patiently. And we worry and give ourselves 10,000 breakdowns worrying about something we've asked God to handle. Isn't that amazing? David the king the prince the lion and bear killer the giant slayer has found himself in a very usual circumstance. And he said In that circumstance, I prayed, and it wouldn't have done me any good to try to hurry God along because God works on his schedule, not ours. I waited patiently for the Lord, he said, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Why was he crying? Why was he praying? He brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon the rock and established my goings. And hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Don't miss that. Blessed is a man or a woman or a boy or a girl that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Father, today we thank you for the opportunity to come. We thank you for the freedom to open the book of God. The freedom to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we are a blessed people. And I thank you today for those many, many blessings. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever heard the old phrase, stuck in the mud? 
Can't go forward. Can't go backwards. Just stuck. Stuck in the mud. Do you ever feel like maybe you're stuck in the mud? A lot of women get to feeling that right before they turn 40. And they look at the husband who geographically have changed all over. What used to be up here is now down here. What used to be in here are gone. And what used to be here no longer is there. And she looks and says, I am stuck. (laughs) That's why many divorces take place. Stuck in the mud. I'm not going any place in this job. All I do is punch a clock and punch out and punch in and punch out and punch in. Same thing every day. Stuck in the mud. I know that has never come across your mind. Are those kids ever going to grow up and leave? (laughs) Would it be all right if I claim insanity and just kick them out? Stuck in the mud. I really thought those payments were going to be easy. They told me it was an easy payment plan. (laughs) Right. An easy payment payment plan. Well, I'm stuck with 96 payments on a 78 Camaro. (laughs) Stuck in the mud. Our text finds the king, the prince, the giant slayer stuck in the mud. He describes it in verse number two, a horrible pit filled with miry clay. David here seems to me like is seeking some relief, kind of like Jerry Clower and that coon hunt when he climbed up in that tree and instead of finding a raccoon, he found a two-headed souped-up wildcat. And he beginning to shout, down there to his cousin, shoot up here. And the guy said, I can't shoot. I'm afraid of hitting you. He said, shoot anyhow. One of us needs some relief. (laughs) David has found himself needing relief. The king now is sinking Emotionally and spiritually, if you please, into a horrible pit of uselessness. 
And I wonder how many Christians today, if truth would be told, they too have their pit sinking spiritually and emotionally, financially into a deep, dark, dreary place of existence, finding themselves useless to God and useless to themselves and useless to their families. Oh, what a terrible place to find yourself. We do not know the reason David slipped into this pit, but we do see in the Psalms his reaction to his pit, a reaction of helplessness and, if you please, desperation. He, I can't go on like this, David is saying. Uh, we do not know why suddenly and sudden David finds himself in this pit we do not know the source. We could surmise that David has dug his own pit because of his sin with Bathsheba. We could say that David has been thrown into this pit because of the constant uh, pursuit of Saul to take his life and in jealousy. We do not know why David is in this pit, whether it is a self-made pit or a divine made pit. We do not know how or why he's there, but we do know the solution for that pit. We may not know the source of why we are where we are, but we do know the solution to how to get out of the pit. Let me please make a prescription today. A pit has a purpose, but it is not for permanent residence. Some folks live in the pit. How's things going? Don't ask them, you don't have time. How you feeling? Don't ask them. It'll take the rest of the day for them to tell you. And we all have our pits, do we not? Amen. Horrible pits, yes. yes Deep pits, yes. yes Dark, deadly pits, if you please. And we all experience our Mary Clay experiences. The more we try, the farther behind her we get. The more we work, the deeper in debt we get. The more the husband and wife tries to console and fix a situation, the more you try, the worse it gets. We walk about in our homes on eggshells, afraid to say anything because it will be misunderstood because your receiver's not plugged in to my transmitter. And it seems as though in our homes and in our vocations and in our life, the more we struggle, the deeper we get. 
It seems like our life is built in quicksand because there's nothing sure, nothing settled, nothing solid for us to stand on. And we just guess our way through life and ask our neighbors advice about our marriage who's been divorced 25 times. Or we ask somebody so far in debt they need a cosigner to pay cash how to manage our money. Do you ever feel like you're living in a pit? Just, we all experience them. And what they do, they show up sudden, very subtle. Good one day, hell the next. Sunshine one day, gloomy, cloudy, storm the next. We all experience them. You say, how do you know that? I just read my Bible. Abraham had his pit. In fact, he manufactured his pit. He tried to accomplish a spiritual end by carnal means. And he took Sarah's handmaid and tried to produce the promised seed. Joseph found himself in a pit. David has dug himself a pit. Peter was always in the pit. <laughs> Peter was a Baptist fella. He said what he thought, even if it didn't make any sense. I've had my pits, and you've had yours. But we don't have to live in the pit. The pit is not made for permanent residence. The pit can serve as a protection it can serve as correction. It can serve as motivation. But the pit is not for permanent residence. Can anybody say man? You're looking at me like I'm in a pit. A pit is described as being slippery, surprising, suffocating, suicidal. Listen to me. A hundred and twenty-three people in America today will take their own life because of some pit. The tenth leading cause of death in America today is suicide. Two well-known popular people this week committed suicide. I watched on my TV as one of the famous individuals 
who travels about the world cooking and entertaining as he sat over a bowl of something with chopsticks and said, this is the way to live. This is happiness and wisdom. This week, they found him hanging by a rope by his neck until he's dead. Pits are not just for the unsaved. Pits are not nationality, race, economic. Pits are real. David, with all he's got going here, has found himself in a place he cannot handle by himself. But everybody always knows how to handle everybody else's pit. I read today about a man who fell into a pit and could not get out. And those passing by, a subjective person walked by, looked into the pit and said, I feel for you down there. Don't that help the guy in the pit? Don't it just make you feel so good when somebody had just run over your poodle and somebody walks up and say, I know how you feel. Yeah, when did you lose your poodle? Amen. That man is still in that pit when an objective person walked by and said, it's logical that someone would fall in that pit. A Christian scientist walked by and said, you only think you are in a pit. <laughs> a Pharisee walked by and said, only bad people fall into a pit. Kind of reminds you of Job, don't it? A mathematician walked by and calculated how he fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted an exclusive story on the pit. Confucius said, if you'd listened to me, you would not have fallen into the pit. Buddha said, your pit is a state of mind. A Baptist walked by and said, that's a pit. <laughs> a scientist calculated the pressure necessary 
for him to get out of the pit. A geologist told him, now you need to appreciate all the rock strata while you're in the pit. An evolutionist said, you are a ejected mutant destined to be removed from the evolutionary cycle so that you will not reproduce any more pit dwellers. That's the pits. A country inspector, county inspector came by and said, do you have a permit to dig that pit? A professor gave a lecture on the elementary principles of the pit. A self-pitying person walked by and said, you haven't seen anything until you have seen my pit. (laughs) An optimist walked by and said, this could be worse. Pessimist said things are going to get worse. (laughs) Jesus walked by, saw the man in the pit, and reached down and lifted him out of his pit. David must have known that when he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. I knew I was in a pit. I felt like I was in a pit. I'm tired of wiggling because the more I wiggle, the deeper I get. The more I try to figure out, the worse it gets. The more I talk, the worse it gets. I waited patiently under the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he brought me up. He brought me up. And that's salvation. And he set my feet on the solid rock. He set me up. And that's security. My hope is built in nothing less but Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. He lifted me up and set my feet where? On the rock. And established my goings. Could I please help you just a little bit? He brought me up. He set me up. He straightened me up. Established my goings. Straightened me up. Christians got no business being crooked. Your kids ought not have to guess what day of the week you're going to act like you're saved. Your wife 
should not have to question what you're watching on TV or reading in a book. If she does, you're in a pit that only God can deliver you from. He brought me up. Hmm? Are you listening now? He brought me up. He set me up. He straightened me up. Then he tuned me up. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise to our God. Anybody say amen? amen. Now, by question to you, has you been patient enough waiting on God to let him bring you up? Did you wait to buy it until it was his will to you buy it? Well, I just got to get married. You might ought to wait till God straightens that out. He brought me up out of a horrible pit set my feet on the solid rock. Amen. Established my goings. By the way, does your family have to guess if you're coming to church? Just what big excuse are you going to use tonight for staying home? Maybe you're still in the pit. You said, you're going to get mad at me. I'll lose a lot of sleep this afternoon about that, I bet. He brought me up. He set me up at security. He straightened me up, established my goings. And then he tuned me up, put a new song in my mouth, even praise under our God. In closing, I'm done with the introduction, but I'm closing. <laughs> Have you been brought up? Have you been saved? Only he can get you out of the slimy, miry pit of sin, sorrow, and sadness. And when he brings you up, he will set you up. And set your feet on the solid rock. And he will secure you. He will satisfy you by establish your goings. Put a new song in your mouth. Our song reveals our heart. What you listen to music-wise is feeding a desire in your heart. If you sing rap music and like rap music, that's where your heart is. And the lyrics and the beat of that music is where your heart is. You say, well, I like country music. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. <laughs> she got the gold mine and I got the shaft. <laughs> Where's your heart? 
Where is your heart? People who have been delivered out of the pit don't sing songs about the pit. Those delivered from the pit praise the one who delivered them from the pit. Shall I close? This week, I watched a black lady by the name of Johnson who was serving a life sentence for drug issues. She has served 20 years of a life sentence for drug abuse. This week, our president, President Bush, pardoned her sin. I'm not ashamed of Bush. He's my president. I don't care if you know how to vote or not. But he pardoned this lady's sentence. She had dug her own pit. She wasn't enjoying her pit. Her pit was dark, deep, and deadly. And the President of the United States pardoned her sentence. Makes no difference what I agree with that or not. And I watched her look into the camera in national TV and with a heart full of gratitude thanked Mr. Trump for pardoning her transgression and said, Sir, you will not regret what you've done for me. Now, Christian, have you been pardoned? Did you dig your own pit? Was it deep, dark, unescapable, and deadly? Someone said the wages of sin is death. But aren't you glad that conjunction but is there? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you deserve your pit? Could you get out of your pit yourself? Did you vote on how your freedom would be accomplished? No, he volunteered. He went to the cross. He paid our debt. He brought us up. He set us up. And he 
can straighten us up. And boy, how we need to be tuned up.